Hey guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. So if 2020 is coming up, guys, if you have never been and you want to come live, it is happening in Dallas, Texas this year with 3,000, 4,000 of your closest friends, February 7th and 8th, and you do not want to miss this. So the way to do that is to sign up at ifgathering.com and you can get your tickets 24 hours early. On the day of, they sell out fast within minutes. So if you're a part of our email list, you're going to get an early registration. You do not want to miss this. You can sign up you and some friends as long as early registration tickets last. So go put in your email at ifgathering.com and you will get early access. We are so grateful you're a part of this community. So grateful, in fact, that I'm gonna drop a little secret right here. If you've been listening this long, I have a surprise for you. This year, Beth Moore is gonna be joining us at If Gathering and we are over the moon about it. So you do not wanna miss it. It's gonna be one of the best ifs ever. We love our family and Beth has been a part of the story from the beginning and we're just so glad that finally she's gonna be with us live in person. So join this family. If you don't know anything about it, go to ifgathering.com. You can learn and read a lot more about who we are and what we do. It is one of my favorite parts of life to be part of this sisterhood of women. So I am excited for you to meet my friend, Annie Crouch. He has impressed me from afar for a long time. I have loved reading his articles, but also his books on power and lots of different, really heated topics in Christendom. And Andy, you do it with such grace, but also with authority. And one of the things that you've written about that I'm really passionate about as we all are headed back into the routine of the fall is what it looks like to master this really idle God you know, crazy thing that has grown in our lives of technology. It is a beast and it takes a lot of managing to not let it consume us. So I love your book on this and I would love for you to share with all of our audience some really practical tools of what it looks like to approach technology for ourselves and with our families this fall. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So glad we got to talk about this. <laughs> it is a big issue, right? Uh, the, when you when you ask kids, uh, not all of us have kids at home, but um, many of us have kids in our lives, at least in one way or another. When you ask teenagers, what's the number one thing you wish you could change in your relationship with your parents? Their most common answer in the research we did for, for my book, The TechWise Family, the most common answer that kids say they wish they could change is they say, I wish my parents would spend less time on their phone and more time talking to me. <laughs> so that's what the, uh, what the teenagers are saying. And, and so I wrote this book about technology and family life, and people often sort of assume it's going to be about screen time limits for kids. <laughs> and I, I always want to say it's totally not about that, and it's not, it's not even just for people who have kids in the house. It's for all of us, and it's for all of us in the places where we spend the most formative times of our lives, which is our home, whatever form that takes, our marriages, our, our, if we have roommates or housemates or whatever that kind of most intimate place is, is the most formative place. And it's the place that technology has most invaded and changed the dynamics of the way we relate. So yeah, I got some ideas. Do you have a, a favorite starting point you want to uh, Well, I have one that I cannot <laughs> okay. shape from your book. And it was about yeah. 
before you pick up your phone, get in nature. Oh, yes, completely. So, but the, so the backstory to this is I was not doing this at all uh, when I started writing the book. And so my morning routine for a number of years now, and it's so funny how these things like just creep into your life without really being chosen. But I was getting up in the morning, I make my tea, and and so I have like four minutes where the tea is steeping, <laughs> and I would pick up my phone. And, you know, you turn on, you see whatever outrage and or emergencies and whatever have come in. And it was such a bad way to start the day. So as I'm writing this book, I thought there must be a better thing to do first thing in the morning. So I decided that before I looked at my phone, uh, and we, we keep our phones outside of our bedrooms, which maybe we can talk about in a second. So it's down in the kitchen, but before I would pick it up, I would let my tea finish and go outside, just walk out my front door. And for the first two weeks that I tried this, every morning I would feel, I, it was really quite alarming how it felt like almost my phone was calling to me. <laughs> like, right? Like, don't you want to check me? Don't you need to find out? And I'd have to like steal myself and resist the temptation. I'd walk outside and, and you walk outdoors and suddenly you're in this bigger world. It's not about you. you. You are smelling something. You know, the air is humid today. The air is dry. The air is crisp. You feel cold. You feel wet. Like I go out, even if it's pouring rain, I'll go out for at least a second. You hear sounds and it just is this amazing like reset. Oh, I'm a creature. I'm in the midst of creation. <laughs> There's a creator. And oh, I need to tell you this about this practice for me at least. Sometime, in my college years, I got in the habit of every morning, the first thing I said aloud was, thank you, God, for this day. And for years, I just had created that habit that that was the first thing, the first words that I kind of formed that came out of my mouth. Sometime in the last 10 years, I had totally stopped doing this. <laughs> I, I mean, I did this for probably 20 years. I'm 50 plus years old now. And for 20 years, I think every morning I said, thank you, God, for this day. And then in the grip of the phone, I'd stop doing it. And the first day I walked outside with my tea, I just instinctively said, thank you, God, for this day. And that habit is back in my life, which is so good for me. So about two weeks into it, I heard it. I went downstairs and I heard the little whisper of the phone and something had totally flipped. And what had been this kind of temptation and lure that I had to resist became this thing. I was like, no way. Like, <laughs> the last thing I want is you. I want the outdoors, right? And it, since then, it's been just the most natural thing. And I did it this morning. And, uh, oh, it's just so good. So, yeah, that's a great You're exactly point. right. Like, I, I joke that my favorite thing is losing my phone. Because, uh -huh. the, yes. you know, I, and I don't look for it very hard. You know, I can't find it. And I think the reason why is we all are craving this. We just don't know how to go about yes. setting those standards. And I think what I've noticed, especially with a lot of women, is they feel guilty uh, yes. abandoning their phone for long. And one of yes. the things you recommend is is really taking breaks weekly, right. daily. Let's talk about those breaks and how you suggest we build those into our life. But then also speak to the people that feel guilty 
and that worry, you know, somebody's going to die and I'm not going to know about it. Right. right. <laughs> totally. So, um, yeah, I, one of the kind of basic rhythms that I recommend and that has worked for our family and worked for me personally is one hour a day, one day a week and one week a year, finding ways to basically anything that has an off switch, turn it off. Um, that, that includes the phone, but actually, uh, another thing we can talk about a little more, uh, maybe if we want is, uh, even electric lights. Like it's actually amazing what happens when you turn off the lights and light some candles. So uh, one hour a day, one day a week. So for our family, that's dinner time is the hour. And we, we do have a full hour where all the phones are plugged in and parked and on Do Not Disturb. And then one day a week for us, that's Sunday. We do it kind of morning to night. I have friends who actually find it more helpful to do kind of the Jewish practice of Sabbath, which is from sundown to sundown. So maybe Saturday night you start turn it, close all the lids on the laptops, you know, turn off the phones. And then for our family, we actually do one week a year uh, in the summer. We were able to go away for a week and, and we basically turn off all the screens and, and we do use electric lights that week. <laughs> um, but the guilt thing is very real. And this is a question that people ask a lot, like, well, what if someone needs to get in touch with me? And I think that, first of all, the, this is not like, this is not meant to be legalistic. The Sabbath is made for human beings, not human beings for the Sabbath. So the point is not like if you like break the law, something bad will happen. It It's more about having a, a, a basic rhythm in our lives that then, of course, has to be adjusted in at particular seasons of life. But I will say if you there's only a handful of people who have to reach you right away because there's even like even think about the circle of distance that you could get to someone in time to help with a with a problem my daughter's off at college she, she's 500 miles well 300 miles from our house i can't get there in in uh in, in an hour <laughs> uh i can barely get there in a day so if something really urgent happens for our daughter she needs to have people in her life who can get there right away if it's that kind of thing and and so my daughter knows that on that around the dinner hour, she's not going to be able to reach our cell phones. And for that hour, she needs some other support. Now, on the other hand, we have uh, we have parents right in town who live just about a, a half mile from us, my wife's parents, and, and her mother has some real health challenges. And they know that they can reach us. We still have a landline, actually almost just specifically so her, her parents can reach us anytime because we could get there right away. And so once your family, those handful of people who need to know, know what your rhythms are, they... And you, and you can give them another way to reach you, then you're free of that all-purpose distraction machine, right? That isn't just the emergency call, but is the notification about like a new sale at Best Buy or something. <laughs> so does that make sense? I hope that's oh, helpful. I mean, I think I'm looking at a world where everybody is living with so much stress. And then I, I noticed somehow the notifications for the news stations like got put on my phone. And, <laughs> and they kept like telling me about like... <laughs> You know, North Korea, like yes. missile launches and things like this, where I'm like, I can't breathe. And I'm, I'm noticing like a low grade turning into a high grade anxiety every day in my life. And I turned my, my simple news notifications off and I felt oh, like my whole, you know, and I just think we don't sometimes take those steps as if we are victim to our phones and what they're telling us. We can actually take, you know, simple steps and build a world that this is is more healthy in our lives. But yeah, it does take being really intentional and thinking creatively about those things because we exactly. do feel 
like they we owe our phone and all of our people oh every minute of our lives somehow. Exactly. And and you actually are going to be able to serve people so much better if you have a rhythm of Sabbath, if you have a rhythm of rest. And it only works if we make it possible for each other because someone does need to be available. Uh, you know, there are situations of care that are around the clock, right? But but the way that's meant to happen is in community with other people who who bear each other's burdens rather than it's all on me. And so I've always got to be available and I'm available to anything anywhere. Uh, and and the default settings don't help us. Like these phones, these devices all come, like even, you know, the, the one that kind of changed the world was the iPhone, right? Well, why why is it the iPhone? Why is it not the Wii phone, right? <laughs> like, why was it designed to be an individual device? Well, the answer is not for us, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of the manufacturer. Because if it's an iPhone and everyone needs one, then my family of four, uh, two parents, two kids, uh, we're going to need four devices. If it was a Wii phone, we would need one. So they sell four times as many phones. But that design is not because I actually need all this computational power and t connectivity all the time, all by myself. That's not actually what I need at all. I need something that's shared with other people. So we have to, so our family, when our kids were little, the iPod, the iPhone wasn't out when our kids were really small. And, but we got an iPod and we, we actually told our kids sort of without telling them the truth, like you do with Santa Claus and things like that. We said, this is called a WePod. <laughs> And we said, um, it's for the family to enjoy music together. It's There's no headphones, like it's plugged into the stereo or it's plugged into the car when we're on a trip. And for a couple of years, they just thought, this is the WePod. It's what we listen to music on as a family. Um, so we've got to like hack the design, I think, because it's not actually designed really for what's best for us. So, you're going to laugh at this, but a few, I guess it was a couple years ago, I posted something on Instagram. It was a picture of an alarm clock and I got yes. a reaction. People were like, where did yes. you get an alarm clock? Everyone, yes. You have an alarm clock? And it was, you know what? You can put your phone outside of your bedroom yeah. and set an alarm clock. And every nobody even has alarm clocks anymore. They didn't even know they were sold anymore. You know, people were like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I should do this. So that is a definite thing that you suggest that I think yep. is foreign to people that it's we huge. put our phones outside our bedroom. So let's talk about that for a minute because yes. there's a few barriers to that. Very simple ones like buying an alarm clock. But yeah, what are your thoughts about that? This, it really is one of the most important things. And and I, uh, this is actually in some ways the biggest damage maybe that the phones are doing in our homes is invading our bedrooms. Uh, and it's interesting, uh, back to what kids experience, um, kids know this. Uh, there was a British uh, research survey done about a year ago now where they asked teenagers, if you could get help from your parents on one area, or if there's one thing you wish your parents knew about your, your phone use, your smart device use, what would it be? And, you know, what parents often most worry about with kids and phones, especially in bedrooms, is content, sexual content, other things that, that aren't appropriate and not helpful for them and are very harmful, which is very real. But what the kids said is, I wish my parents knew how much this is interfering with my sleep. 
And it really is true that when you have this sense, even this just expectation that I could be interrupted, my sleep could be interrupted, it's so hard to rest. And then the reality is, if we aren't really careful with our notification settings and all that, that they do, they light up, they start glowing, they beep, they, some, a message comes in, or you roll over in the middle of the night in that wake moment of wakefulness, and instead of kind of set, calming and settling back to sleep, you're like, oh, I better, maybe I'll check the phone. And this is, uh, it's especially, it is, I think it, we can legitimately say based on research at this point, it's dangerous for kids. It's really disrupting their lives. We don't really understand how adolescents are sending each other messages all night. And often those messages are very, are very high octane, even if they're not sexual contents. I, I, I certainly understand why people are, are concerned about that, but I actually worry about the emotional content. Kids are being asked to manage one another's adolescent emotions all by themselves in their bedrooms. They've got a friend who's feeling suicidal. They've got a friend who's really upset. And of course they want to be there for their friend. And there's no way a 13 year old can handle that emotional like intensity 24 seven. But for those of us, even for us, you know, grownups, <laughs> I always feel like I'm actually still pretty close to an adolescent in some ways, if you really knew the state of my mind and heart. But to the extent I'm grown up, I still need a break from all of this. And uh, it has been revolutionary in our family to have the whole family. I always really encourage people to do these disciplines, not have a, one set of rules for the kids and one for the parents, but really we all together, we leave the phones downstairs and it, it, it just makes that gift of rest much more likely and much more peaceful. Well, and this is one of the reasons I wanted you to come on right now, because everybody's going back to their rhythms of the fall from summer, yeah. and it's yep. a great time yep. to build some new time. disciplines. And exactly. and so, I and I actually a week ago, before you even said yes to this podcast, I bought on Amazon, and I'll, we'll post a link to it, a, a base, a charging station that's going to go in our kitchen. And it can hold all the devices, which looks just like you're saying, iPhone. Yes. We have a lot. Um, yes. It looks embarrassing, like how many things, you know, <laughs> yes, Apple yes. Watch, you know, all the things. And so, but but it holds it all and it's going to go down in our kitchen and we uh, are practicing this. This is, you know, my kids turn in their phones at night, but we still have them beside our beds off and on. And we will yeah. go through seasons where we take it out, but it, it, it creeps back in for some reason or another. Uh, and, yes. and so we are like resetting and like getting them all downstairs. So yeah, so but it good. takes that reset. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, we have to choose it. Like, and this, this really goes very deep to what the history of technology is because the basic promise of technology is, is, uh, I call it in, in my book, easy everywhere. And the idea is if you just let this device take over, your life will be easier. And and in some ways that did happen. Like, you know, uh, my, my grandmother probably spent at least a day a week doing laundry and laundry machines make laundry easier. And maybe it still feels to moms, especially at certain stages, like they spend a lot of their time on it, but less, way less time than our grandparents or great grandparents or great grandmothers really did. Um, but we kind of bought into that, not just as a solution to some very specific pieces of drudgery that it's wonderful that we're relieved of them, but it like became this whole paradigm, like this is going to make your life easier. And it actually, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and we, we have to, we can't just let these devices work on their own for us. We have to actually intentionally choose, I'm going to use this in this way for this purpose, but then I'm not going to let it just take over my life. And, and actually it's amazing how useful they still are, but they, they, 
just like my phone like switched from being this tempter <laughs> in the mornings to just being, it's just a tool. I'll pick it up when I need it, but I don't need it to be human and I don't need it as the basic rhythm of my life. And it's been so freeing, I, you know, for me and for my family to discover that. Well, and I want to take it just a little bit deeper before we go. You, Our friend, Kurt Thompson, you know Kurt, right? Yeah, I do. He's a good so, friend. Yeah, so Kurt... Uh, talks about if you leave me in a room in the dark with a problem, I'm going to find huh. a way to cope. And, and huh. I, I think we all huh. have been coping with our phones. I think we've, we have been sad or, or, yes. you know, I think it's deeper than just a distraction. Yes. And oh so my gosh, what yes. do you, what do you have to say about that? Of just not, you know, how to view it as an possible addiction and as right. something that we've got to break ties with in that way. I think the thing I would say is, uh, I think that's completely true. And I think the addiction goes way deeper than just our phones. It's, it's a, the deepest layer of it that I've been able to uncover is actually the whole Western history and maybe human history of belief in magic. So the idea of magic is that there's some trick that's going to make the universe work smoothly for me. And it's a lie. The world is not designed that way. Uh, for whatever reason, God designed this world not with a set of magic tricks that like little buttons that, that if you can figure out which one to press, you get the thing you want. But as this journey of suffering and also of a joy that, that d is not magically summonable, I guess. And so when we start this journey of realizing, oh, like that light switch is a little piece of magic, let alone my phone, let alone my car, let alone my air conditioning, like all these things we, we sort of rely on to just press the button and have our lives get better. And we realize, oh, that's actually like maybe it works in a tiny little domain, but it's not it's not the life I'm meant for. When we start being intentional, you, I think in a way you find yourself alone in the dark with a problem. <laughs> and then the question is, what happens then? Well, first it gets harder before it gets easier. It gets, we become aware of our own sin and shortcomings and fears and fantasies and all kinds of things like come, become very real. But then on the other side of that is uh, a God actually shows up in those moments. And and other people show up too if we let them, and it it be, we start to taste real life, which is not about easy everywhere, is not about magic, is about this beautiful, painful journey of becoming human, and that's what we've kind of for uh, especially with the smartphone, we kind of let this thing into our lives that really doesn't help us become human, and we've got to put it back in its place, and it has a place, but uh, a minimal place on this journey that we're all on. We want to communicate with you and let you know the things that are happening with the podcast and ask you some questions as well. So text Jenny Allen, J-E-N-N-I-E-A-L-L-E-N to 31996. That's Jenny Allen, one word, to 31996. And we will add you to our text stream and we'll send you all kinds of fun stuff, free stuff, communication and questions. We want you to be a part of the conversation. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to today's bonus episode with Jenny and Andy Crouch. If you want to learn more about Andy's book, The TechWise Family, or just read some more from Andy, you can go to andy-crouch.com and we'll make sure to put the link to Andy's book in the show notes as well. But we will see you guys for this next episode of the Made for This podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.